Today's podcast is sponsored by Shudder, the premier streaming video service built to specifically superserve fans of all degrees of thrillers, suspense, and horror. For a free 30 days of streaming, go to Shudder.com slash podcast. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com slash podcast and use promo code BALDMOVE. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bald Move Television, the officially official podcast for all of television. What? When did we become official? Uh, well, you know, it's it's uh, for all of television. I don't, we don't need anyone's permission for that. Oh, that's true. We are TV. Yeah. Uh, I know we, we cover literally all of television. Uh, these next few <laughs> weeks, we want to really narrow our focus down to this HBO miniseries, Sharp Objects. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk about that um, in here in a bit. But before that, I figured we'd, we'd, we'd still stick with the all of television and talk about a big change. Uh, there's been some mergers. Uh, in yeah. in in the entertainment world of late, and HBO has found itself now owned by AT and T via Time Warner merger. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, what do we think about this news? Because I know there's an article in the New York Times that kind of laid out some of uh, um, St- uh, John Stanky. His name Stanky. is he, his name is Stanky. It's Stanky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just going to call him that. It's, it's seeming uh, this this article dated July 8th seems to indicate that Mr. Stanky wants to spend a lot of time, money, and treasure to move HBO to be a bit more Netflix-like and have mm-hmm. its appeal be broader, yeah, and more popular, more populist. In the search of ever more treasure, apparently. We, we, we spoke about this briefly uh, yesterday, and I was surprised to hear that you weren't like just like on the face of it, like. Um, disturbed or bothered because you know hbo is one of our i think it is the flagship channel it's what everybody mm-hmm. else measures itself in terms of critical success yeah um quality. artistic endeavor quality there you go um like when you hear hbo it's like their whole thing is we're not television we're hbo right uh now they're not television or hbo they want to be netflix um <laughs> yeah they want to be the premier online streaming platform i guess yeah. And they they've been in that battle for a while with Netflix and and so far it has taken the shape of hey, we're HBO and we're doing streaming just as good as Netflix and right. from a technical perspective. Now we also have Game of Thrones, which right. is irresistible to biggest, everyone on the planet. Biggest show on the planet literally. Yeah, and so that was driving a lot of their success as a streaming platform. Uh-huh. You know, just from a subscribership up up until I know at least 2017 um, I think that battle was raging, and HBO and Netflix were like neck and neck for number one, right? Uh, like profitability, and and HBO has always been very profitable. You know, right. it, over the course of the last three years, they've taken in like six billion dollars uh, worth of profit mm-hmm. from their their various interests. So, right. not not really an issue as far as like money making. Right, two billion a year is not bad. Right. When the, when they're spending two billion a year to make their shows, it's a hundred percent return on their investment. Right. Uh, but apparently, for Mister Stanky, that is not enough. And I, I was like on the face of it because I hadn't I hadn't actually gone and read the words or listened to the audio, which mm-hmm. is what New York Times got a hold of mm-hmm. uh, from this conference, and so I was not like super familiar with it. And I was thinking, oh well, maybe you know, maybe more is not always worse you know if you can keep that high quality and you can just do more of it uh maybe that'd be a good thing for everybody and so initially yeah that was not my my thought was not oh they're going to ruin this by trying to do more after reading the the i guess transcript of the tapes Uh of the recordings i feel very differently because it seems like this is a 
money for money's sake sort of thing and consequences be damned i guess yeah because it it also seems like the it's the often heard refrain when someone takes over that buckle up because you thought you've you know you're gonna work harder than you've ever hired it's it he compared it to childbirth Uh the year of labor that they have uh uh you know I don't know if Mr. Stanky knows this, but childbirth does not last. It's not a condition that lasts 12 months. That's true. It, it yeah. has a it has a beginning. And, like, like you know, it, 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 there's a lot of things that suck about being pregnant. But the actual labor, what he, mm. what, that he described it, uh, <laughs> is a, is a def- definite period of time that is, that is miserable, but it, it, it begins and ends. This seems like he's just putting the company on kind of a death march. Or, 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 you know, anytime I hear a executive say, buckle up, things are about to get tough, I think, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like if, a, if, if an executive tells me, uh, your new job might involve some travel, I figure I'm going to be on the road 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if they say it's a lot of travel, <laughs> then like, uh, good, say goodbye to your friends and family. Yeah, You'll sell, see them two sell weeks your out house. Of here. You right. Just rent an Airbnb when you go home. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I don't know. Like this guy, so I'm going to take a few quotes here he says we need hours a day referring to the time viewers spend watching hbo program not hours a week not hours a month we need hours a day uh you are competing with devices that sit in people's hands that capture attention every 15 minutes why 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 do we need hours a day i don't need hours uh, a day. His, his explanation was that they need more data so that they can tailor the experiences to the audience to try and optimize that that stream that data stream i guess but i just hours a day i i don't know that i mean to me that's completely opposite of uh of, of the hbo experience it'd mm-hmm. be like if king's island's executive said we don't want this to be a, something that people just come for a couple of days a year or maybe like once a week if they're local, we want someone to spend their lives here. Like that's not the park, man. The whole yeah. idea of it is you get away from like if it's every day, then you want something else to escape from that. Uh, uh-huh. I, I don't know because like this is not how I interact with television. I kind of do appointment television. I, I there's things that are good and I like to sit. I don't. I mean, I know, I know that there's a, a lot of people to watch a lot more television than I do, but like this shit actively scares me. Mm-hmm. Um. And also, like, when he says stuff like that and about the, the, the amount of labor he's going to wring out of the employees, it also makes me seem like, makes it seem like that it's not going to be just an expanse of content. It's also going to be uh, a, a somewhat of a loss of quality because, to me, those things are, like, opposite things. It's like, do you want something to be high-end and very high quality or do you want something to be, like, mass-produced? Like... It'd be like um, saying that you you. I, I, to me, that they're that they're incompatible terms. I, th- I think they're in my mind close to that. Like I think there are rare exceptions to that idea, um, where quality can remain high while something is mass produced. I think of like Apple products, and the quality on those is always very very high. Like build quality, uh, UI design, all of that stuff is very high, and they're still considered like premium products you know and they're mass produced they're like millions and millions of units they're so th- there you go like no one has it's just there like if you could essentially take game of thrones and do game of thrones version 2.0 and make it the best thing and then mm-hmm. 
Um, but you can't mass produce that. You can't literally make. Right. Know, I guess a better analog would be like, what if they tried to make sixty different products instead right. of the four that they make? You right. Know? Right. And they tried to mass produce. Not not from a unit perspective, but a product perspective. So then you'd have like the Android environment where it's like everything's fragmented and you're not sure what's going to be this. I mean, I don't want to start a big Android yeah, yeah, versus yeah. Apple war. But like, I mean, he he, he also says um, the the philosophy the HBO uh, has pursued thus far has commanded deep loyalty from the audience. He says, uh-huh. you've earned a dynamic amongst your customer base that when you put on a new piece of content out there, people will try it just because they trust you're going to be putting something in front of them that they might like. Correct. Uh, do you know who's lost that? Netflix. Fucking Netflix. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I do not want, I, I, I don't try anything unless somebody that I trust and respect says they've tried it and they like it because... Mm-hmm. There's just too much of that stuff. And, and and also, like, I've been burnt time and time again by v- many, many, many Netflix episodes that have these big, flabby, saggy middle sections. Every one of the freaking Marvel properties. Uh, a lot of times, Orange is the New Black. Um, the, uh, in fact, it's, it's easier to find the ones that seem like they're lean and mean, like, that, like Stranger Things. You know, like, that seems like that's the... Yeah. That's more of the HBO model. That's a finely crafted Fabergé egg. It's not just like, oh, here is, you know, 13 servings of Luke Cage. We only have enough ingredients to make six of them, but we've added a shit ton of flour and water, and boy, howdy, <laughs> it's more of it. Right. It's not good. No, it gets it gets diluted. And I, I, I have seen that happen, right? Like, I think back to the time when Netflix was producing essentially three or four shows, like House of Cards and Orange is the New Black, and those all felt like big premieres, like things I didn't want to miss mm-hmm. on Netflix. And now there's literally a new episodic show coming out every week mm-hmm. on Netflix, if not multiple if times not, a week. Yeah, more often. Uh, and I just, A, I simply don't have time to catch them all, and B, I'm being presented with the stuff regardless of whether it would appeal to me. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't know if it's like an algorithm problem. Maybe like if Netflix didn't show me the stuff that it didn't think I was gonna like mm-hmm. at all. If it, it never advertised that stuff to me, mm-hmm. maybe that would be something that they could do. And if HBO tried to do that, but I I do I think agree that it would be difficult to maintain the quality of HBO and that early Netflix stuff and just make 10 times as much because think, that's what they're going to have to do to compete with Netflix. And I think on that's that battlefield. Cause that to me, it's like, it's, it's obvious in this instance, since you can't just like, like uh, you can't just refine a design of a phone and then make a hundred million copies of it and people buy it. You have yeah. to like, if he said, Hey, we're going to get bigger and here's in the next five years, we're going to be doubling our creative uh, executive staff so we can go out and scout new projects. We're going to be doubling mm-hmm. the amount of executive producers we have. We're going to be fine. But it seems like he just wants to crank productivity to maximum without doing any of the it's, it's kind of like the difference between Marvel and DC, right? Marvel mm-hmm. carefully constructed something over a decade and now gets billion dollar uh, movie releases that they take for granted because people like, yeah, this is good. This is all going to be like, I, I expect a certain amount of quality where DC wanted to, they saw what Marvel was doing. Like, Oh, we we're yeah. going to, we're just going to do that, but Reaction. we're not going to carefully build the, the, the foundation. We're just going to jumpstart it. And the thing has fallen over like a house of cards. And man, that would suck so bad if HBO gets drugged through the mud like that. Yeah. I wonder how much 
control they have over this. I don't know. And the thing at, is, at this it, point. it might be a good business decision. Like, I could see HBO making more money that way. Because if they hmm. did it my way and slowly built it over the course of time, their, you, you, maybe their profits rise, but their costs would soar too because staffing sure. up and, and, and optioning all that stuff is going to be expensive and, and, and making it. But I don't know. It's like it's one of those perverse things where the shareholder's value might be better under this new regime, but the artistic quality would be much worse. Yeah, it does. it does very much feel like trying to trade the trust that you've built over mm-hmm. many years for money essentially mm-hmm. and and knowing that you're going to spend that capital that trust capital that you've built up in that process and if it doesn't work well now you fucked your original business model over right. because no people no longer trust you like yeah. if if you can't get to the point where you are Netflix and yeah. the volume exceeds like whatever you know, trust that you had built in your audience, then you're uh-huh. just screwed because you've destroyed your original business model. Your new business model didn't work out. Right. Now you have no business, no viable right. business anyway. And this happens a lot. Like, 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 uh, I think you'd be familiar with the example of Gibson guitars. Um, okay. but I, I think I know this is a right example. Maybe it's Les Paul or maybe it's something I don't, I don't know, but some manufacturer, like, I mean, they are, I think they're the same. Okay. <laughs> or but, Gibson Les Paul. But I've, I've, and let, let me, let, let's take a step back. Okay. Many, many brands, um, that have high quality struggle because, you know, they're doing their thing and they're selling these things. They have this really strong and they have super brand loyalty, but they're stagnant because they're not. Right. growing okay mm-hmm. so a company buys them out and then pump and dumps it like they raid yeah. all the goodwill they, ma- they, they 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 convert all that goodwill into revenue and then the company is left in shambles um i can think of like yeah lots of different companies i'm sure everyone can but like it's just weird to see something like this where like because i've seen it happen to like you know um yeah, guitar companies and firearm manufacturers and uh, and car companies and different stuff like that. But I've I've never seen it happen to like I guess an entertainment brand where someone just snatched it up and they're just going to run it into the ground. And mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's like it's it's a microcosm because companies love to look for com- the for other companies that have like fat retirement accounts. So that's just that's just fat. We can just 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 trim all that stuff off, convert it to different options, and just. <laughs> And it's 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 a sickness, man. I don't, I don't know what yeah. the cure is. And it it would be different if I thought that you know that, that HBO was on the verge of dying because business models are changing and right. and consumer habits are changing. But ultimately, I don't see that problem for HBO. Mm-hmm. It's been the number one sometimes, number two, neck and neck. Like I said earlier streaming platform on the internet and it always it always like hbo is the the 800 pound gorilla in award season absolutely yeah like n- no and one that's else the reason it competes with netflix not right. because it has the volume and it's the reason it com- it commands a pretty high price too uh-huh. like with with a fraction of the library that netflix has got i pay as much if not slightly more for h uh, access to hbo content than i do to netflix even though there's a yeah. hundred times more of it mm-hmm. uh and Netflix is, and that I just, man, I don't get it. Yeah, if if HBO was in in trouble, like its streaming platform yeah. wasn't working because yeah. it didn't have the content it needed, then I could right. see, you know, doing something radical to change the business model for the future. But right. in this regard, I don't, I don't think it's warranted. No, it seems to just be a money grab. Yeah, yeah, and again, the other thing that I think they don't they don't realize is that they're, I mean. It, it, 
there is a limited I mean this is the same thing like the video game glut that happened in the 80s there's a limited amount of time people have to invest in mm-hmm. entertainment yeah. and Netflix is already way oversaturated that market if HBO goes after that then mm-hmm. what's the chance that they're going to give Netflix a 10 year head start down that and catch them and, and run them down and usurp them because if not right. they're going to massively dilute the quality of their product for absolutely zero gain Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most likely course that's going to run. And I, I don't, I don't. There's, there's nothing we can do to stop it. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because, like, when, like, two, three years ago, Netflix was talking about being the HBO of, of right. online streaming. Right, right. right. Uh, I feel like somewhere along the way they said, you know what, HBO is really, really good at what they do. Right. And we have this other avenue where we can outcompete them on quantity. Right. So let's go down that avenue now. It's completely reversed, and HBO is chasing Netflix from the on the thing that they're good at. Like, right. are they going to learn? Is this going to be a learning point where they they try to go down this road and it doesn't work? And they go, you know what? HBO has always been good at quality. Right. Let's pivot back to that. I don't know, man, because it's like that's will it be too late when they learn that lesson? It's like this. This this feels like this some guy that doesn't know what he's doing is coming in here and saying a bunch of buzzwords and like mm-hmm. you know putting his mark on it, whether it's good or bad. He doesn't because you know another five years he'll move on and do it again to some other place. And like, AT and T has never been known for their quality. <laughs> Right. They have been known for quantity because they had some exclusive <laughs> iPhone contracts. Sure, And sure. they had millions of people sign up for that. Quantity is their game. Right. So they're coming in looking at this saying, let's up the quantity. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think it's I think it's 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 pretty bad and um it's too because like it's also important to bald move because, you know, a lot of our uh, a lot of the shows that kind of pay the bills around here are the like the deep immersive experiences and like really profound things and like does 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 leftovers get greenlit and uh, <laughs> oh, in, in, in this environment does like what 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 happens when Nolan and Joy are like hey we're gonna take two years off from making Westworld and this guy goes no crack the whip I want it out in six months I need this thing turned around in six months we need more in fact spin off yeah. Westworld I need a samurai world <laughs> I need a I need a Roman world I, I saw the damn movie there's a castle where's my castle like uh-huh. this guy's a lunatic he needs to be stopped <laughs> okay yeah. and I don't I don't know what we can do to stop it but probably nothing yeah, I yeah. don't even think the CEO of HBO can do anything I mean so. apparently not because he does say yeah. I mean he was there seeming like from the quote seeming like like helpless and bewildered by the whole thing I mean he is he is helpless to the, the powers of the parent company so. <sighs> great I, I mean one idea we could do is stop all this merging insanity Hey, start, that's a great start, idea. Start busting some of these media companies up. In fact, yeah, maybe. Really? Or do we want? Or maybe just Disney should buy everything. Yeah, just let's get it all consolidated under one company. Right. And then that'll be easier to petition the one guy right. at the top to do the things we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, you know, there's less competition for his, you know, for for their attention. So right. no competition. In fact, like talk about like how much pro- more profitable it'll be when you're like the only game in town. I don't see a downside to it. Uh, do we want to talk about sharp objects now, Jim? Sure. Real quick before we move on, I wanted to talk about our sponsor for today, and that is Shudder. It's a S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Like, you're Ugh. scared. Like, ah, Ugh, that just gave me the shudders. Uh, Shudder is a premium streaming video service built specifically for fans of thrillers, suspense, and horror. Um, they have the largest, fastest-growing human-curated section of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. And I think the human curated is important because a lot of times things can get lost in algorithm 
uh, and with a specific focus like this, you want to have the best of the best. It's like a difference between like a good college radio station and then like a clear channel. Yeah, yeah. You just don't hear the same cool stuff on the clear the channel. Deep cuts. Yeah. You want the deep cuts. And they have a lot of deep cuts. They're every single week. They're adding new spine tingling thrillers, shocking horrors, and edge of your seat suspense. Um, some of the stuff that I like in their their unique collection, um, they have exclusive stuff like documentaries that that are only on Shutter. Um, one of them is like Document of the Dead, which is about George Romero. Obviously, anything of the dead <laughs> is kind of owned by Romero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have uh, Crystal Lake Memories, which is a Friday the Thirteenth documentary, like history of, which I thought sounded pretty cool. Um, and then they also have horror classics and blockbuster hits. Cube is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Like, actually, there's a series of them, uh, and they have them all. But Cube, the original, is people trapped inside a cube or a series of cube arranged rooms. They're trying to kill them actively, and they're trying to escape. It's a pretty cool. It, it, the premise sounds like really simple and dumb, but I actually think it's cool how they construct that whole thing. Uh, so check that out if you if you sign up. Speaking of signing up, right now we are able to offer a free 30 days of streaming. And all you have to do is go to shutter.com slash podcast. As I mentioned, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com slash podcast and use the promo code BALDMOVE. Uh, you'll get unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices, such as iOS or Android devices, Roku, uh, Amazon or Google streaming devices. That Once again, that is shutter.com slash podcast and use the promo code BALDMOVE. Uh, this is the point in the episode where we're talking about sharp objects. Uh, let's we're going to spend a couple minutes talking about our general opinions of the pilot because uh, I know this is a brand new thing. Um, you know, this is something kind of we're doing unconventional bald moves since this is a mini series instead of spinning its own, spinning it off into its own feed. We're just going to cover it here in Bald Move TV because there will not be a sharp objects too. Well, I don't know. Maybe Stanky will get in there. Stanky, yeah, sharp objects too. We need sharper light. objects. I need sharpest <laughs> objects. Uh, so. Yep. Uh, that that's how we're covering it. Um, Can I say that this being an eight episode miniseries is so refreshing? Coming yes. off of something, uh, coming well, going into uh-huh. one of our largest shows in terms of like mythos, mm-hmm. like Game of Thrones is such a big beast at this point, where you have to remember seven seasons of of things that have happened, and if you're a book reader, it's even yeah. more. Uh, this is such a breath of fresh air because I don't have any baggage going into this, yeah. and I'm not going to have any baggage coming out of it. Right. It's it feels so liberating. <laughs> I I I totally agree, and we can talk more about that. Um, what did you think of the premiere episode? I thought it was really good. I I was drawn in by the Amy Adams. Okay. That's that's the thing you I came, came to for the show Amy for. Adams. You stayed for. I, I stayed for the HBO. I mean, it, I stayed for the True Detective. How about that? Okay. Uh, I, I mean, this is the show seems like True Detective in a lot of ways. This is this so this is a midwestern gothic uh, as opposed uh-huh. to southern gothic, which it, means it's got that noir, slightly chubbier, less alligators, <laughs> and, uh, and and salt water, less uh, accents, <laughs> cholesterol might level overall cholesterol levels might be slightly higher. There's still a lot of accents. This this is like somewhere between Midwest and Southern to me. It, there is the line. It's kind of like when you get in Kentucky and and ten, it's like the the line Oof. starts to get pretty. You know, the the, yeah. the accents rapidly get drawlier as you cross state lines. But I think, I, I think I, Missouri is still solidly Midwest. Yeah, they, they do say that 
St. Louis Gap is like very close to Tennessee. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. very southern. Yeah, and I, I guess like maybe that's the difference between like um, you know like like St. Louis. I think is a is a quintessential Midwestern town. It might be my favorite Midwestern town. Hmm. Um, that and Chicago's in the running. Um, mm. But it is. It doesn't feel like a Dallas or a San Antonio or a you know a New Orleans or anything like that. Um, I like this a lot, and what drove I like I really enjoyed the town because like this town when you're driving through it looks so much like a lot of towns I grew up in. Spent a lot of time in my youth. It reminds me yeah. very much of the Mooresvilles, the Martinsvilles, the Shelbyvilles. Um, mm-hmm. I will say this town is a lot more racially diverse than either. <laughs> The, the the like like the the this it's it's the most and I don't is that an anachronism or I wonder if there are I, I think it's as you approach yeah the south you start to get I guess uh, yeah the, because like all of blend all of the the small towns I grew up in Indiana were like Lily ninety nine percent white uh-huh. um so like that was an, a, an interesting detail um but yeah like I, I love the town because it remind it felt like a real place play even though it's not a real place I was at spent a what about fifteen minutes trying to find uh, a wind gap mm-hmm. on the map, and then I finally searched and I know this is a fictitious town. It's kind of like set in a series, a place where the author is familiar, but it's not a real town. Okay, um, I thought that was an interesting choice. Why not just make it a? Why not just make it a real town? You got a film there? No, I'm not sure. There's no Hawkins, Indiana, too. Like I guess that's a yeah. If you want to set kind of a place very specific but non-specific. Uh, and I also really liked the uh, the relationship between. Um, well, I don't don't really like. I found it harrowing and triggering the relationship between uh, Amy Adams and her mother here, uh, Camille and her yeah. mother, because she is just this massive passive aggressive narcissist, and everything just escalates uh, just so quickly and unbelievably and, and terrifyingly like it, it, it mm. was really giving me like flashbacks of that. And that felt very accurate and, and, and lived in. So yeah, it's maybe the most, the, the thing that felt most accurate to me from, yeah. from like, I mean, my parents aren't like that. I know some people whose parents are like that. Right. Um, stuff that I've read, like the book hillbilly elegy mm. is, is, essentially an account of a woman just like this mm-hmm. or, or a man whose mother is just like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it felt very real, mm-hmm. very real. And we sometimes on this show, you know, second guess, like the motivations of characters and mm-hmm. like, why are they acting this way? What, what could drive someone to act so weird? But this is one of those relationships that I understand You're right. from having experience with it where the mother is very overbearing and like you said very uh narcissistic uh-huh. makes everything about herself right. when when her daughter returns to town after not speaking for months and months mm-hmm. suddenly it's all about the way her actions are going to reflect on the mother you know it's it's a really fucked up relationship and the most fucked up thing is that there's some deference shown by Camille to her her mother right, right? like she doesn't point out what bullshit this is right. and how her mother's a narcissist and all this stuff she goes along with it. She apologizes right. for her actions, you know, right. pre- prematurely apologizes. She hasn't done anything yet. Right. And and it's disgusting, but it's also so completely accurate to a family like that. Yeah, and it's like, it, as as you, you point out, like, I think that's part of the dance because if yeah. Camille had just been like, you know what, Mom, I, this was a bad idea. Let's go another couple months without seeing each other. Deuces. <laughs> like, 
enough of that like enough of that behavior or like like that modification applied over time might make the relationship tolerable but she does the dance and as you yeah. can see the next day like her mom gives her mom license to be even more of a bitch mm-hmm. and i I, I, this is only the first episode out of eight. I cannot wait to see what kind of bottom barrel toxicity that we end up oh, plumbing boy. by the end of it. But also, like as you, you you mentioned a lot of things about the character, like there's a lot of mysterious things that they introduce about her throughout this hour of television, and we don't know yeah. all the answers, but all the suggestions we see are bad. Like like every bit of this childhood, uh-huh. and like there is just like I. I the question is how grim and uncomfortable it's going to get, not yeah. whether it was... Un- There's no, like, you know, oh, well, Amy Adams is a spoiled little trust fund baby, and she doesn't. That No, she has legitimate things that she's lashing out and uh, out and about. Um, the other thing is, uh, I, did you feel any fatigue when you realized that this is going to be another kind of, like, unreliable narrator... <laughs> maybe things are real maybe things aren't real there might be a supernatural aspect i don't want to talk spoileries because we're about to go from the general to the specific but what did you think when you started seeing some of this stuff like oh there's a message that wasn't there oh open the door there's something there and close the door it's not there (laughs) yeah no this gave me westworld flashbacks yeah yeah yeah. uh, because we just got off of the westworld podcast right uh i think uh, i was a little worried about that throughout the episode but they always had a way of grounding me in this is just a flashback yeah for for the most part or these are just you know things that she's seeing because of her history with the place Uh not necessarily hey there's some kind of weird supernatural thing or Uh time travel or Uh something like that i'm not certain the story's not going to go in those directions right and i guess i'll be okay with it but here Here's the bottom line. I'm not willing to engage very heavily with this show in that in that way. Right. So if it wants me to like figure out the mystery of these the stuff that's going on with the words, right. for instance, yeah. Uh I'm not really going to do that. I'm not going to go down that. I will engage with the mystery of the missing girls. Mm-hmm. Uh or I guess, you know, hmm, let's not say too much, but the missing girls. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, this is the premise. There's two right, girls that gone the, missing in her hometown, and she's sent there to re, to do an investigative report on it. Right. So I will engage with that mystery. Yeah. The the sort of noir uh, murder mystery. Right. That's fine. But the other stuff, I don't know. I'll, I'll just wait and see on that stuff. So, like, I think my proportion to engage with this kind of stuff is, or my willingness is directly in proportion to my faith I have in the showrunner delivering something that's going to be a definitive end and conclusion. Mm-hmm. Westworld, like, going off of season one, I was really, really ready to engage with that stuff. Season two kind of, like, killed a little bit of that enthusiasm. Mm. I'm a little bit more willing to engage with it in this thing because, like, man, seven more episodes, it's done. Like, it might be yeah. an unsatisfying end. It might be a great end. It might be somewhere in the middle. It might be something where you're kind of scratching your head and it's 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 up to you to decide, kind of a little, like, leftovers. But it's going to be over one way or another, and I don't need to think. I need to hold this universe into my head for a sharper objects later on <laughs> to, 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 like, oh, now the word moved from her pinky to her ankle. And... I, I, I guess, like, the definitive, like, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel already makes me a little bit more. Uh, gotcha. 
However, doing some basic research, uh, it's very hard to avoid book spoilers. I have to imagine. I have done zero research on so the show I was for like, that reason. I was, um, I was, I was going. I, I made all my notes before this, but like I was reading. I saw Joanne or Art, uh, Robinson wrote an article on Vanity Fair, and like within the first paragraph, I had gotten something that I shouldn't have resolved resolved already. And it's oh, a bummer. Boy. So, like, is that because of book spoilers, or is that maybe yeah, screeners? I think it's book spoilers okay. because she's saying essentially, like, you know, because there's a lot of. I think at this point, if you haven't seen it and you're intrigued, you should shut off the podcast now because we're going to start talking. We're starting to start talking specifics. Yeah, but I want to talk um, about Camille herself, the main character, Amy Adams, um, and man, the casting. Uh, I think Amy Adams is great. Yeah. Uh, I uh, my initial exposure to her is more in like her being in kind of like you know plucky kind of romantic comedies or like The like, Office, yeah, yeah, more more like that's not her. There there are, there are two Pams. Oh yes, yes, yes. You're, Pam, you're right. You're like right. Pam and new Pam me. or Pam and hot. Pam, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I can't remember, but yes. But I, I, I a saw purse, her purse salesperson. But then I started seeing her in like some really serious stuff. Like the one that really made me like sit up and take notice is her turn in Arrival, wasn't it? Was yes, that, it? that was a great movie. Um, and I thought she was, and I think she's amazing in this. And Sophia Lillis, who plays the young version of her, mm-hmm. the like the teenage version, who I first saw in Stephen King's It last year, is, I mean the. The casting, like, it literally looks like that could be a young Amy Adams. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it is it is uncanny. Maybe with just a little bit of uh, nose work. Right. A little, a little plastic surgery on the nose. Right, right. Over the ensuing 20 years. It's... Or alcoholism, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll shrivel your nose up. <laughs> um, there's so many good, there's so many great uh, uh, actors. Patricia Clarkson plays the mother, uh, who's very yeah. imperious and brittle and fragile, and but but also scary. Elizabeth Perkins plays like her boot. I mean, everyone in this town's boozy. Like everyone in this town has a, a, a cocktail in their hands at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the cast is really amazing. But I want to talk about Emil a little bit, which is I'm not sure whether we're, we're we we whether she's crazy drunk rimin like like is this like like the things that where she's seeing things and not seeing things are we supposed or is this a, the way that they're visualizing inner monologues like right. i could see in the novel where she steps into her mom's house for the first time and has a flashback to her and her sister having a fight or something mm-hmm. um but the way she physically seems to get caught up and the massive substance abuse like makes it seem like maybe some of this stuff is actually happening like she's just mm-hmm. she's not in control of the experience and i think that's interesting culminating in the the last reveal where she is just covered head to toe in this word salad scars right is i would assume in any other show that that's real but i've seen leading up to this um words like there was uh i, I saw her volvo there there it was clean and then she shuts it and it's got dirt written on it mm-hmm. she's playing with the radio and it says wrong yeah um there's and a, even the word dirt on the back of the car changes to dirty at yeah, one point yeah. yeah 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 so like i i i i don't know what to make of that and then on second thought on second watch they do a lot of clever things here too uh, on second watch i noticed that she wears stuff that essentially covers everything yeah. part of her body that would be scarred. So, mm-hmm. like, if you, I was looking like, well, maybe she rolls up her sleeves at one point, and I can see, you know, like the clean hood that doesn't say dirty to establish. But they never give you that. 
And they also make a point of how hot it is and how right. uh, so many of the other characters are walking around with short sleeves and dresses and stuff like that. But I was like, I don't I don't know what this because like it, it feels like it could be misdirection, but like misdirection mm-hmm. on top of misdirection. So they get you thinking this one thing about the words and then they hit you with the end and Right. What's what do you think? Do you think those are those are actual real scars? I think those are real scars, although I'm I'm curious how she would get scars like that on her back. Or right. places that are very, very hard for a human being to reach on themselves. Right. right. Does she have someone an accomplice helping her Could out? Be. Does she, Could are be. these supernaturally appearing? You know yeah. the, questions like that. You know, if she can see them in the landscape or her car or dollhouses mm-hmm. mm-hmm. maybe these things just appear on her yeah you know you mentioned supernatural and that's the other thing i thought because like I, I i got a distinctly possible supernatural vibe from the trailer mm-hmm. and then in the first episode the her sister and her start talking about ghosts yeah and how maybe something leaves behind to attend to unfinished business and i don't know whether this is going to be a true detective kind of thing where like her various substance abuses leads to her seeing some kind of cosmic thing that's not real, kind of like a Russ Cole type of deal, or mm-hmm. there's actually going to be ghosts, or this was just thematic. What's your feeling on the soup, the, <laughs> the the paranormal after one episode? Like I said, I think they've been very careful not to push it over the edge in either direction. Yeah. Uh, so I I still think that is possible. Uh, I'm at the moment I'm leaning toward like with the final shot and the scarring I'm leaning toward not supernatural right just all in her head kind of thing right um, this is something that is haunting her for you know I guess pun intended there yeah um, and causing her to see these things in the environment and, and remember these flashbacks what do you think about the wealth um, because she mentions like when her boss there's the, 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 when her boss is giving her this assignment and saying you know, this is the thing you need to get you back on your feet, mm-hmm. which there's a lot of in, there's there's so many implications here uh, <laughs> because when we talk about the scar. I, I I'm convinced that none of the teenage versions of her that we've seen so far have any scarring because we see her run mm-hmm. around a cheerleader outfit. Yeah, we see her run around a lot of stuff. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's any scarring there. I would put her like you know Amy Adams herself is in her early 40s. I think that's about right. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people on the forums pointed out that. If you're a hardcore alcoholic for 20 years, you're not going to look like Amy Adams. And this guy's saying something, get back on your feet. Do you think that she has had some kind of like recent thing that is, does reawaken all this and she's turned to alcohol? Do you think she's been hitting the bottle ever since she left Wind Gap? What? Right. I mean, her sister's death was kind of something that set her in a, a bad direction. Right. Um, whether it Whether her alcoholism started there or later... I, I think you're right. I think the show is pushing it toward there's some other event that's more recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I also mentioned that she hasn't spoken to her mother in several months. Right. So maybe something went bad there. Uh, I, I'm not sure, but it, it does seem like there's another catalyst here for her alcoholism. Uh, one other piece of evidence is that we see after she goes without without alcohol for several hours, her hands begin to shake when the police are, because you know, she hasn't had a drink. So she's like physically dependent on it. And yeah. And I think that's the other thing that I, I think people in the forums were misunderstanding. Like, if you are a hardcore alcoholic, you don't experience alcohol the way normal people do. You're not mm-hmm. drinking like like Amy Adams is not 
like careening around uh you know soups like 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 if if you like you or i would to drink a fifth of alcohol we'd be blasted out of our minds (laughs) she's drinking just so her hands don't shake and so she can function yeah i mean three drinks to a person like that is is right. just getting close to normal. And she can still tie one on, like at the bar when she starts right. rocking out to whatever it was, and then she she passes out in her car, gets black. She can still do that, but like her drinking yeah. those airline, like that felt like a system. Or like Cecily pointed out um, that also that's like a, a classic alcoholic thing. Like, well, I can't be an alcoholic. I'm drinking out of. I'm drinking. I'm drinking <laughs> right. these little when bottles. When you drink twelve of them, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, over yeah. the course of four hours. But it's, it's like maybe be. maybe her way of like trying to say like I haven't completely given up. Like when right. when, when you start buying the fifths and but she's also buying in bulk. Buying them, but she also drinks drink, over your booze. Yeah, and she's drinking out of water bottles and stuff. It's yeah, that's the thing. That's where I think it crosses the line when you drink, take an Evian bottle and fill it with vodka and you're drinking it as you're driving down right. to Wind Gap. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, a pretty 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 bad when you're when you're drinking it as you're driving to the bar uh-huh uh-huh that's pretty bad um but like i thought it was interesting that her family is rich but we see that she lives in what looks like just a shitty part of st louis mm-hmm. uh she drives a volvo that sounds like my grandfather's old ford 3000 tractor <laughs> like she herself does not have any of that wealth mm-hmm um, so there's not any kind of like Gilmore Girls style. Well, I'm going to appease my mom just enough to get the fat payer. Like she has gone no. cold turkey off of the family's fortune, as she says she's trash from. I, from I wonder old if that could be part of the catalyzing event, right? Maybe she had you know a better relationship or at least a tenable relationship with her mother. Mm-hmm. Who was who was feeding her money to live better than a journalist's salary would let her? Yeah, but she's still living in a shithole that... part of town, driving a shithole car. Right, but let's say her mother was paying her rent. Or uh, maybe that Volvo was really nice fifteen years ago, because like Volvo. I mean, you know what I'm saying. But, but I mean, if if she's got a leased car and her uh-huh. mother's paying her rent, and uh-huh. suddenly that's cut off, uh, and she you're going to, and looking for a used car. You're going and, and getting a new apartment because you can't afford the one your mom was paying for. You know? Yeah. Maybe I. I see no evidence for that. I'm just guessing. Okay. Uh, do you have anything you want to talk about more about Camille? Because I want to talk about the town a little bit before we go into other to- topics. Uh, so there's this relationship with her half sister, right? That where she sees her out and about in town. Um, the sister, the half sister, doesn't mention, "Hey, I'm your half sister. I right. know who you are." Uh, but later, when they're in the house, she finally figures out who that is. Uh-huh. And she seems to have a very rebellious nature, we'll call it, mm-hmm. and, and that they're very much alike. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about that. I'm sure. worried about that relationship because this is a, a young girl who has got to be, what, 15, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Uh, and and I'm just worried where that thing is going. Yeah, it's because fun. we're talking about a murder mystery with teenagers here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And an alcoholic half sister who's right. also rebellious. I, it's scary. And and who's sneaking around at her mom and dad. Yeah. It's funny because like that's another thing I strongly identified with because I guess I was the Amma of the family when my sister was the Camille. Like I okay. I wore the suits and I gave the I gave the Bible talks and I underlined my watchtower and I knocked on people's doors and my sister was <laughs> smoking dope and getting tattoos and hanging out with you know worldly boys and uh-huh. I even remember having conversations of like why 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 are you doing this wild child routine? You're just making like like everyone knows mom we all know that mom's a pain in the ass. Why are you like kicking directly against the goads like 
activate your <laughs> stealth drive, sister. And, and, and you know, because I was out doing crazy shit. I was blowing shit up out in the woods and shooting AK-47s, SKSs, and, and, and <laughs> going out and cruising downtown Indianapolis at 3 o'clock in the morning. My mom had no idea. Yeah. But I kept up the appearances, and my life, like, I guess I had a, a slightly smoother experience than my sister did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like, I don't know, but it, the, the, that there is definitely a, there's definitely a price you pay for wearing that mask, too. Yeah, and I feel like maybe it has something to do with where you place the blame for that situation. Uh-huh. You know, like, if if Camille sees the, the root of her problems as her mother, yeah, uh, that could be an issue. And I... I mean, I I'm curious to see more about her backstory, especially like right after her sister dies, uh-huh. how things develop in that family, because I think that's going to be highly influential. Right, right. Um, so I want to talk about the town of Wind Gap, which we are informed only has two thousand people in it, and it's full of old money and trash. Which another thing to remind me of my hometown, because essentially. You had people that were, you know, worked in the big city, but you also had the very Rick few. Rick Smiths. Then you huh? had Rick Smiths. They had Rick Smiths. On Smith. the out- outskirts but, but you, of town. You, you, we had some, like, old, like, the, the guys that owned the gravel pits. Like, that's uh, the other thing about my yeah. hometown. Every fucking way you can get to my hometown, you have to drive past this big, stinking gravel pit. <laughs> you know? But the Perrys, who owned the gravel pits, lived out in the mansions out in the country, and they had right. the gated communities and all that kind. Of, it, it almost almost exactly like this this situation with Camille, mm-hmm. and I felt like that. Yeah, whoever like whoever's daddy owned this hog slaughtering farm, which by the way, is super evocative because as 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 you're going through these dripping bloody hooks in the credit sequence, is that hogs is that teenage girls who it's knows long, long pork um but yeah like you, you happen to own and uh the, the 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 pig slaughtery or whatever yeah and and that's it there was nothing i mean there's nothing else there's no high-tech jobs there's no mm-hmm. it's it's there's no real way to advance the the odd grudges people have for like i thought it was telling the chief um how he like leveled this like Oh, when she tried to build common ground with him, like, well, you know, I'm from this small town, too. He's like, well, you moved away. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a possible crime she committed. Like, you committed yeah. you, you committed grand theft uh, identity by stealing yourself from the town. You think you're better than us? Like, yeah, essentially. That, that's that's what it is, you know? Yeah. People people feel like if you leave, you are you think you're better, you're holier than thou, you know? Or not, not off- holier than thou, but, like, better than thou. That's often not untrue. Uh, a lot of people moving uh, away from small towns do so because they don't see themselves in that small town life. That, I feel like if it's not true when they leave, it becomes true over time because mm. they get exposure to other interesting ideas right. and, and other kinds of people, and that, that makes expand, them better. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, I thought it was interesting how not only the Camille and her sister when they're kids roller skate. Uh-huh. But like, there's still this roller skating pack of team. Like, it's there's a weird yeah. unstuck time kind of thing about that. They play with that too. Like, she looks down an alley at one point, sees some skaters go by, and oh, is this another flashback? Right, right. It, it is that alley like teleporting her to the past or something? Yeah. Um, I also thought it was interesting inside the police office. There was like, so you got this small town that probably you know current events notwithstanding. You don't have a lot of crime, mm-hmm. you know, and what little crime you do is probably like domestic abuse, uh, domestic, you know, like domestic sexual abuse, domestic physical abuse, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, but yet the police office is covered in like, these are the deadly errors you can commit on a spot, stop and get killed. Don't be a victim. Like there's all these posters about how on guard you have to be and how like fucking weird that is to extol this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And the, the woman at the police station, uh, is also very much like things are bad out there. We won't let our kids leave the house, you know, that kind of stuff. And, And it almost, it doesn't. Having our kids sleep like in our reflection. bed now because that's more healthy than... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it almost didn't feel like a reflection of the events in that town, but the events at large in, uh-huh. the, in the world, right? Uh-huh. And and I, I know there's a recent disappearance of a kid, so people are going to overreact to that, but right. I don't know. It, it did feel like an overreaction. It's weird because it's almost like the, in these small towns, like anytime the illusion of control is shattered, like in a city, random shit happens to you all the time. Like your car will just get a new ding, and oh, how did it happen? I don't know. There's trash right. in your yard. Oh, someone must have walked. Like you know, stuff like that just happens, and you kind of get inured to a basic amount of being jostled by other people. But in these small towns, you yeah. can literally feel like everything is a clockwork mechanism, and you're on God's country, and like every you know that. And and then something like this happens, and they lose their fucking mind because that that control is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I thought was weird is the censor bar, the the gate the like I guess I I it, it's the the town bar that her old childhood friend owns that they yeah. I think they intimated used to be a gay bar, and then he took it over, and they don't get t- those types like that any. I, I in a small town of yeah. two thousand people in rural Missouri, I can't imagine a gay bar. I just, I just, uh, yeah, I, it doesn't seem like one would spring up there. Certainly not an open gay bar. Yeah, like that might be the place where gay people go to hook up. Mm. But, uh, but even then, like, wouldn't isn't there? There's got to be a like like a suburb of twenty, thirty thousand people that could have a censors. Sure. Right, right. But like two thousand people. <laughs> yeah, but they, 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 a lot of times that like I, I noticed that same thing in like um, Twin Peaks. Like that felt so much like a rural town, but it also had a casino and it had a brothel and it had right. That has to have some like I don't yeah I don't I that that felt very out of place like and even in them lampshading it by saying well that we essentially ran them out of town and we don't get those types anymore i don't think you got those types in 1992 either dude in the middle of bush versus clinton yeah i'm trying to figure out like why someone would come to a place like wind gap and try and start a business that revolves around a community that doesn't really exist there hmm and, and I'm, I'm, I don't want the people to mistake that I don't think there's gay people in Wind Gap. Like, sure. this is like a shit town. We're talking about the podcast. Gay. We're talking about people yeah. that are just going to start a gay bar right. and be open. And, and, and I, I mean, I'm not saying it because I think that's a great thing. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to erase the, 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 the very real rural gay people that are out there. I'm just saying that, like, sure. a gay bar and a 2,000 town population in the Midwest. I just felt <laughs> there's more friction to that kind of business than in that location yeah. than there would be in many other places in the country. Yeah, and that's yeah, a yeah. shame, but yeah. it's true. Yes. Um but yeah, other than that, I thought uh just just the way that like they described you treat out of towners, how you just kind of smile until they leave you alone because mm-hmm. you know, they don't got they don't you know, the attitude is they don't have anything that they can teach you and they are looking down at you and the, the whole experience is unpleasant and you're starting to feel you know, eaten, like judged like all that stuff felt felt pretty 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 accurate um let me ask you this the the guy running the bar currently her friend is he 
the same kid that saw her in the lake when he was out shooting that, with his friends. Oh, I never even thought about that, but that might be. They look kind of similar. That might be. Um, Given 30 years of alcoholism. <laughs> uh, I don't know, because that, that's the other thing I want to talk about is Teen Camille. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's an ominous order to these flashbacks. Mm-hmm. You see um, very pretty, attractive, teenage, cheerleader-wearing outfit Camille running from some boys in the woods, and it seems like fun. Like, she's at the end of the scene. She's got, like, a mischievous grin. Then the next time you see her, she's shaved off all her hair. Uh, there's a, and, and this, this teenage boy is pointing a gun at her, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, violates all, all, all four, manages to violate all four of the, the basic rules for firearm safety. And she's uh, not with her sister, so you assume she, it takes place after But, but the, the short hair is before her sister's death. So we know it's not. Oh. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, and we also, she goes to this. This that's somehow connected to this shack that she goes to, where there's all this hardcore pornography, yeah, and dead animals the... hung up. I'm assuming that's like a hunting shack for these little local boys, and they're just these little psychopaths are just murdering everything in the woods. But they got a hold of some really nasty magazines. <laughs> like, they this did is, the it's night... some BDSM shit. Like... Yeah, they got so they got they they must have been made the, the drive to the big dirty city and and came back with their haul. I guess so. Uh, or you know what? That's the other thing. Is like it wouldn't surprise me if there's some kind of truck stop lion's mm. den adult oh, emporium yeah. because that's the other thing it's endemic to like the south and midwest is like you won't find that shit anywhere <laughs> I mean, but when you do find it it's like this weird overbuilt mecca of right, like right. you know like li- like <laughs> I, what, it's what, right next to the giant cross you know? yes there'll be a 300 foot cross <laughs> uh-huh. casting its shadow uh, uh, over the thing but there's still cars <laughs> in the parking lot and people are getting it so why why is why is the quintessential Midwest childhood experience finding porn in the woods? Because where else are you going to find it? Everywhere else. There's literally every <laughs> other place is a better place to find it than, uh, than in the middle of the woods, and yet it always shows up in the woods. But, I mean, I, just, I, I feel like they're going to where these boys violated her. And they haven't really, yeah, gone that direction yet. But I'm worried the, the, that they the other will. her wipe, like trying to wipe off her her sister's little sister's lipstick while she's in the casket, yeah. kind of like that's to me, like trying to protect her, like even post mortem innocence. And I don't mm-hmm. know because also uh, Adora, her mom, split from her dad. You yeah. know, that could just be. First of all, Adora is a nightmare. So congratulations for getting out of her orbit, dude. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, that's 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 uh, that's a well known consequence for like losing your the kid. Like a lot of marriages don't withstand that strain. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, this type of thing makes me think like maybe there was something bad about the dad. Mm-hmm. Is he completely out of the picture? Well, uh, I mean, I wanted to talk about who you think is the some of the primary oh, suspects uh, in this case so far. Just knowing how these things go, I, I feel like the stepdad. Is a primary suspect. You think me. so? He I mean, reads got, as com- he reads as completely clueless to me. It, but that's just the disguise you need. Huh. That's just this detached sort of aloof nature to him hides something worse. It always does uh, in these stories. But I don't know. He's my he's my prime suspect currently. Uh, there's they want you to. There's a couple things I think that let's talk about the mystery um, yeah. now. So. We had a teenage girl that was strangled by clothesline last year, mm-hmm. and another one just went missing. I think the first one's name is Anne. Is that right? 
Anne, and the yes. second one is Natalie. Anne Nash, Anne Nash and then Natalie Keene. Okay. So we're introduced to two of their family members and only two of their family members. Well, I guess there's some sisters on on uh, Anne Nash. But we we meet uh, Natalie Keene's brother, mm-hmm. who John. is turned to underage drinking. Uh, he seems like he's like already assuming his sister's dead before she's found. I think we're supposed to think that's fishy, but to me, I don't know. Like I I I I don't. I, I feel like that's in the range of normal reactions to be kind of like your your sister got abducted on the heels of another girl being abducted and killed and you just go to that dark place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't nothing seemed inherently suspicious and when Amy Adams kind of when when Camille rather went in there to like break up these kids that are like looting her memorial um like the answer she got from those didn't seem like it didn't seem like Jill and her friends on the leftovers who are like super callous, you know, doing stuff to feel they they feel like they're genuinely sorrow and this is the way, sorrowful and this is the way they're acting yeah. naturally. Mm-hmm. Um and then also Ann Nash's dad yeah. who is a fucking mess. Uh he's also prime prime suspect. <laughs> it's so weird because I kind of thought I kind of like liked the guy, and there's this point where his daughter barges in without knocking, and I'm like, oh, this might go to some weird place. But he's like, if you don't knock again, I'm going to put it on your chart. Like, uh-huh. this isn't a guy that beats his kids. This is a, you know, he's weird, but he lives in a small town. But then when he starts talking about how it must be a gay slur for a man that did it because she wasn't raped, and I would rather her mm-hmm. die than be raped, and knowing what we know about. Camille, like, like the, to me, that was just like shocking, like how vicious that turned. Yeah, he turned borderline violent, right? Uh, in that moment, and I was genuinely concerned for Camille being, you know, door closed, backed into a corner here with a man who thinks he's being accused, of right? Because like he invited, he's very like menacing, yeah. like, like not. I mean, he's just looking for a private place to talk in their right, small initially house. Initially, it was but, okay, but you shut the door with a woman in your bedroom. Yeah. That's that's a that's an awkward situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually concerned when I saw her moving toward the opposite end of the room. I'm like, yeah, you need to let him move toward the opposite end of the room. You stay by the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he also mentions that that she chopped her hair off rather than be have you put in the rollers, which I, you're supposed to because they cut right over to Amy Adams' face when she says that, and she has like this thoughtful look on. You're supposed to make the connection between her herself as a younger woman cutting her hair off and what this daughter did as rebellion. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting, but like this gives us this attitude of like you'd rather your daughter be murdered than raped. Yeah. Uh, that is a wild statement to make. <laughs> sure. That, that places an intrinsic value on a woman's quote-unquote virtue as higher than her own life? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Uh, that guy's definitely a suspect. Yes. Uh, so some people, like, there's definitely some false suspects. Like, are we supposed to, like, I kind of feel like we're supposed to be a little bit suspicious of the the out-of-town detective, but... The cop, yeah. But he's out of town. Like, he well, was... Well, well, he's out of town, but maybe he's in town because he was out of town. This is a backdraft <laughs> situation where it's the policeman doing the murders to, yeah. like, he, he's wanting a serial to make his career, and he mm-hmm. made a, he made a serial to make his career. Could be. I, I, I do. I, I don't either. I think this is going to be the romantic interest yeah. for Camille if there is one. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping it doesn't go that direction, and yeah. this is going to be more of a playful adversarial thing and not romantic. But it'd be we'll wild see. to see what happens because, like, her whatever she's gone through has uh, her sexual fantasies seem like they're pretty dark. Mm. Like, there's a scene where yeah. she pleasures herself, but it's to the memories of this 
weird murder sex cabin yes. and you know uh i it, it, it'll be interesting to see what this guy makes of all that like if those scars are real for example that is a topic of i mean that must be I, I I wouldn't even know what it was is like to have if, if those are real to have those on your body and to get like naked to someone for the first time. Oh man, like yeah, that is a that's an interesting conversation. D- d- let me ask and you: you are so vulnerable when you have it too. Absolutely, yeah. Like and being it's, naked it's is vulnerable be enough, no matter what. But like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, let Let me ask you this: Do you think by the end of this eight episode run that Camille is going to be any closer toward? let's say happiness man or, or do you think this is a story of just just going to be a dark story i think this is going to be i mean if if it's there's going to be some happiness is going to be true detective happiness where the light's winning uh-huh. but there's still a whole lot of black <laughs> and just pinpricks of light yeah I, uh, I really don't see this going well for her yeah because there's no like unless this thing spans a decade and then and, and and has intensive psychotherapy like right. i yeah i don't see like a person like camille getting healthy by the end of like maybe she's on her steps to that like the like she's putting her first step yeah. to some sort of recovery that's but... kind of what i mean like oh maybe in a, a budding relationship with this cop from wherever he's from you know uh, may, maybe like there's going to be some window to happiness for her. She's not going to be there, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. She can see maybe a light at the end of the tunnel. I, I don't think so. I think it's going to be darker. Uh, what do you think of the chief suspect? Uh, Did we already yeah. talk about that? Yeah, I think he's a suspect. He he. I don't think he's a. Re- I think he's a. He's a red herring type of suspect. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. like I think her analysis is right on that he. Well, I don't know because he says he has no leads. Um, and she says that he, she believed it cause it was like the angry kind of defiance. Like, I feel like I should have a lead. I'm a chief of police and I've been doing this for a year and I got these, all this, all this hypervigilant shit on my walls and I don't have any. But then later on, I felt like, uh, the, the out of town detective did, does have something, but it might be something that came up because of the investigation of the girl's body. Cause they find the body of, uh, uh, Natalie by the end of the episode. Right, they do. But uh, there's also now that I I was looking at my notes, there's also a lot of like little digs uh, to support the like the that this town doesn't really value women's actual opinions because like Natalie's uh, uh, like wanted poster, I forget what it was, but it's like all done in purple, which is her favorite color. Oh, actually, it's her second favorite color. Her favorite color is black, but her mom thought that was too morbid. Yeah. Like, you know, like oh, this whole like just dis- just just basic disrespect for people's wishes over appearances, mm-hmm. uh, which also strikes. I thought this strikes a very good t- uh, tone for this this small town stuff. OK, I got one other major suspect. OK, developing here. It's it's Celia from Weeds. I don't I don't know her name in this. It's oh, the friend who greets her when when she returns to town. Yeah, Elizabeth Perkins. Yeah. Uh, and she's sitting there kind of. Helping with the investigation, she, she, but not helping. She's getting, she's, she's getting her special tea tied on, is what she's doing. She's doing as little as possible to help uh, with this investigation, while still looking like she's helping with the investigation. Yeah, and and it's it. Jackie, that's her name. It becomes weird when Amy Adams is walking away, and Camille's walking away from her, and she's like, "Beauty, beauty, beauty." Right. I was like, "Oh, that's that's creepy, lady." Yeah, and there's, like, all this, like, these women... She seems almost resentful of the beauty of this Dude. woman, and I... 
I'm a little worried. Her and her mom both do have Macaros as that, like that brittle, fading beauty. They're trying to hold uh-huh. on to that just a little bit longer and resentful because that's their worth, right? That's like what sure. they've. Yeah. Everything's all bound up in that appearance, and when it starts to when when the the rose starts to wilt, like it's got to be pretty tough. Um, yeah, she's a suspect as well. I think that's another thing that gets like not you know, not raped. Uh, uh, maybe she's just oh, not into girls. Oh. But she is into killing beauty. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know because like you could also there's like so many. So many. It's it's funny how the guy goes to like. Well, it must be a gay man because there's so many other like the person could be asexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person could, as as you mentioned could be a woman. There's a straight lots, woman anyway. Yeah. Lots of lots of uh, lots of things that could lead to a woman being murdered and in some sort of weird kind of fetishistic way that doesn't involve sex and you know nobody. And then I wonder if that's one of the interesting things is like. None of the town folks can conceive that because right. it doesn't fit in their worldview. The, the prejudice they have, yeah. Right, right, right. It gets in the blinding way. Blinding them. Speaking of pre- like, Adora is the type of rich white person that has a black maid in, like, the maid uniform uh-huh. and everything in, in, in the, 2018. In the Obama era, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like wow! Someone in the forums like maybe the maybe she's the ghost because that's just like it's such a <laughs> yeah. anachronism, you know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So what else we want to talk about? Um, let's talk about the mystery. Uh, I don't I know. That that's might... about all I've got. Uh, let's talk about some feedback. We're going to be doing this each week. If you guys are interested in sending it in to us, you can send uh, our uh, feedback in to TV at baldmove dot com. Uh, you can also go on our forums and discuss it. I'm gonna have a weekly thread. I will say that, like, if you've if you've read the book, and I know several people have, because uh, it's a very popular book. It was the debut, I believe, book by Gillian or Gillian Flynn, who mm-hmm. wrote Gone Girl and uh, a bunch of other subsequent books. Uh, I know, I know, a lot of people have read the book. Um, I'm trying to, and, and a lot of these questions that we're asking on this podcast could have been easily, obviously, cleared up if you've read the book. So uh, please don't spoil us. If, if if you you wouldn't mind or anybody else in the forums, but we mm-hmm. do have a we'll have a, uh, an episode uh, discussion on the forums, the forums.baldmove.com. If you'd like to, uh, to contribute there, uh, and if book readers want to start a, like a spoiler thread so they can talk about, because I know that's fun to talk about the adaptation, feel free to do so. I'm just going to do the non-spoiler one um, going forward. So let's get to that feedback. Groovy Dooley wrote in on the forums, anyone else have their anxiety activated in the opening sequence of the two girls running with their backpacks open? <laughs> did, did you not feel... Like stuff just going to fall yeah, out? Yeah, me and Cesar <laughs> are like, what are you doing running around with your backpacks open? Yeah, that's your such shit's a kid gonna, move. Your shit's going to fall out, man. You're never going to find your, <laughs> I don't know... The my, stacks of porn you haven't. <laughs> yeah, the stacks of bondage porn. Right. You're never going to find that. But no, I, I, I felt you there. Uh, AJ, uh, AJ uh, opined that this show has by far the best soundtrack of any TV show I can think of. Mm, Zeppelin, I heard yeah, the same Zeppelin song multiple if times. If you like a lot of 70s rock, yeah. um, I don't know, there's a lot of shows that have pretty tight soundtracks. Like, uh, my money for right now probably goes to uh, The Deuce. Hmm. Soundtrack season one was amazing. Westworld's got an amazing soundtrack. Westworld's got an amazing soundtrack. There's, there's lots of people. Covers, yeah. Lots of people in the running there. Uh, Garth Gow says, man, that was some gripping television. As someone who has struggled with the whole drinking thing, Amy Adams is about the best-looking alcoholic I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, uh, That did take me out of it a bit, to be honest. Uh, people that drink that much look tend to look like death, but maybe as someone mentioned, it's a more recent thing. I, 
Maybe. We just don't know. They they did what they could to take a beautiful woman and make her look as as normal as they could. Right. Right. She's I, clearly above average in physical appearance. Right. And they even they even talk about in the show that like she is the the prettiest girl in Wind Gap or whatever. True, yeah. So but there's also like hints that maybe she's had a, a, a more recent like problem mm-hmm. with the conversation she had with the boss and stuff. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Uh, I really love Patricia Clarkson, but God, she's insufferable here. Every scene that takes place at her family's house is so uncomfortable. It makes me wonder why yep. she even checked out of the motel to stay with her mom. That's a very good question because no fucking way would I ever. I mean, my mom has and I have an even worse relationship. But even if we were in the stage where like we still made polite conversation every couple months, no way would I ever stay for several days. Yeah. What do you think got into her? And also, I wonder if there's a hotel in the town. A, I don't know if there's a there's place a motel. to stay. It wasn't a great one. It was pretty gross. There's a motel. Yeah, when, she stayed. She, she checks stay in the one? first one. It's pretty gross. It's not very clean. It's uh, it's a motel. I mean, you know, like in our hometown, there were several like motels along like 67 mm-hmm. and whatnot. I would. I don't know. People do stay in them. I would never stay in one. <laughs> Like, yeah. there are certainly motels I do and would stay in, but, like, th- th- some of this stuff can be nightmare fuel. Um, but I thought that was, maybe it's just like, well, my mom lives in a mansion, and I'm here in this place that hasn't been cleaned, or it's, like, got roaches around, maybe, maybe. Yeah, they have a very strange relationship, you know? If it's, if it's even if it's one that I understand kind of in a lot of ways... Uh, I don't know that I can, can explain why she would go stay with her mother in that situation. Wouldn't the Other newspaper? Than, wouldn't it look weird if her daughter came to town and didn't stay with her? Hmm. Like, how would that reflect on her mother? You know, does Camille it's, care? I mean, she cares a little bit. She cares, yeah, she does care. She care, cares enough to be like, and, and instead of like truly assertive, she matches her mom's passive aggressiveness with her own. Because like yeah. when her mom like is barbing her she barbs back like when she asks after her sister and she's like you know why are you asking like i'm just being polite we do that to big city you know like it's 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 a dance they're doing that's true uh did you find it slightly unrealistic that camille would have no idea what her what her half sister looks like to the extent that she wouldn't recognize her on the street like she hasn't been getting I guess Christmas it depends cards, on how many years. Yeah. Does it do- are we talking like a four-year-old to a 15-year-old she hasn't gotten cards hmm yeah, sure. maybe. I could see it. Yeah. Uh, do you think Adora, like Adora seems like the type to be on Facebook all the time, though. You think so? Yeah, just boozily judging her friends' lives <laughs> and making passive-aggressive comments. Uh-huh. And Although, I don't know, like, the, like an idle, rich Midwesterner? Maybe not. What is what is the stepdad going to do with that stereo system? He's going to bl- knock this house down with that stereo know. system, man. I don't know. It's weird. It's like it's a huge. weird turntable system where you actually crank down the <laughs> yeah. the records. And... and it's all like modern looking in mm-hmm. this old Victorian era. It's his new toy. Yeah. You think he's rich or did he marry into the, the, the old money? Her, That's a good question. Her stepdad's just a uh, bowl full of tapioca pudding, man. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. I have no idea mm-hmm. what he looks like. It's a vague hair and glasses and a cardigan I think that was like tied over like it's I need to get a good look at him but I think they showed a young version of him in the town at the sister's funeral hmm. trying to pull I thought that Camille was off. maybe her real dad 
Or her but biological it, dad, I should as say. As I remember it, it looks so much like him. Maybe. But then again, but, but I'm not sure. it could be two bowls of tapioca pudding. It could be, yeah. <laughs> that I just, just, their faces blend. Right. You just didn't, you just didn't know. Which, by the way, um, like by the time that scene hits, I wasn't there to judge Camille, but like, what a shit show of a funeral. Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, I was thinking, yeah. like, what would it be like to be, and, and, to a narcissistic mother that you that's literally like shooting her in the face with a shot. No, I mean this is <laughs> Camille returns 30 years later mm-hmm. and this is one of the first things her mother brings up. Don't mm-hmm. embarrass me again. She's referring to that moment maybe at the funeral. There could be other ones, but like I'm just saying like that's the kind of thing where like like uh, uh, I think a normal mother would be like Wow, that's fucked up. My kid's hurting. I need to get her yeah. help. Like, like Adora would just like just shame yeah. and and be angry. If how dare you how, make us look like you do this? this what me? would yeah. your sister say? Blah blah. You know, like lay it on real thick. Yeah. Uh, going back to Garth Gow, we got a little bit away from you there, buddy, for a minute. Uh, I also got a weird vibe from her editor. Uh-oh. Hmm. Uh oh. It seems like something has happened recently with her, and he's trying to help her get her act together. But she doesn't seem like someone who would open up easily to people, much less her boss. Then there's that odd moment where he is told by his wife, I think that he isn't Dr. Phil. Why would she be there listening to his conversation with her? I, that's The last comment you make is is pretty interesting. Um, I do think that if you have a boss and you're missing a lot of work or you're going through a tough time, yeah. like it, it's certainly the legal reality that you just tell them that you're going through... You don't have to tell them anything. You just need personal mm-hmm. time off and have to. But like, I feel like in practice, it's very hard not to elaborate. Yeah, you know, unless you just like hate like unless you're talking about a McDonald's type of job or a Walmart type of job. Like, if you're in a professional white collar environment, you have a relationship beyond just the, like time clock and signing this and granting this request. Like, and, and and let's not forget we're dealing with a journalist here, right? right. Somebody who is paid to investigate things right 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 they're gonna dig a little bit yeah and there's also i think a little <laughs> bit of a mentor like you know a mentor role there too like he's like trying yeah. to bring out the best of in her and like you know kind of like this the, she's at the stage of her career whether it's either it's it's she's gonna level off here her here and it's not gonna go any further or she could really dig deep and and do something amazing and yeah. he's wanting her to do that but mm-hmm. i feel like He's really throwing her into a lion's den that he can't even conceive of. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. I'm with you. Because I find, like, when I talk to, like, whenever I have a frank discussion about, like, my family dynamic with people, like, people don't even want to believe it. They want to believe, like, (laughs) I'm making it up or, well, that's not true. Or, like, Uh well, she's still your mother. Like, people can't conceive how bad and toxic things can get with inside families, I think. And people who don't have those types of relationships. and, and, And you certainly don't just assume that, you know, um, when when you meet someone for the first time, you think everybody. You know, I, I imagine you think everybody has a you know a a, a okay childhood growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says overall I liked it, but damn was grim. It looks like it's only going to get worse. Uh, great meditation on grief and trauma. Well, we've we haven't had one since leftovers, so I'm I'm in the mood for one. Uh, also, shots at Westworld. Westworld should take note. This episode is able to tell a story with an unreliable narrator, flashbacks, secrets, visions, and still have it be as intriguing as hell while not frustrating the audience. Yeah, but season one of Westworld did that, too. Like, sharper objects would have a much tougher time, and sharpest <laughs> objects would have a tougher time. Like, like, this stuff, I think the, the reason this stuff collapses under its own weight more often than not is because it's very hard to give people that feeling of being immersed into a new mystery. Yeah. 
and like you know just getting all like it like doing that like, like okay that's a cool magic trick now do it again now do it again now do it again like it's 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 harder and harder to repeat that uh finally our buddy shum uh who commissioned the if you might remember commissioned the uh, buffy the vampire slayer uh podcast series Said, in my role as the officially unofficial Bald Move Joss Whedon correspondent, I wanted to give you a rundown of my experience with Sharp Object show creator Marty Noxon. She started writing for Buffy the Vampire Slayer in Season 2. Among the Buffy writers, except for maybe Joss himself, I always thought her scripts were the most consistently good and had the best character work. Some characters would feel a little off in the hands of other writers, but Noxon always wrote her characters perfectly. In Buffy Season 6, she took over as showrunner while Joss worked on Firefly. Season 6 is considered a series low point by many fans... And many of them blame uh, Marty Noxon. I never thought this was fair. Joss may have been able to punch up the scripts a bit had he been more involved, but I believe that season six would have been gone darker than most fans wanted, regardless of who is in charge. Marty didn't write for Joss much after Buffy, but you might recognize her as the woman trying to get out of a ticket in the Buffy musical episode. I do remember that. Uh, as one of the news anchors in the Dr. Horrible sing-along blog... Uh, more recently, she has created several shows of her own, usually on random third-tier cable networks, including Lifetime, Bravo, and Teen Nickelodeon. Hmm. I was pretty impressed with her Lifetime show, Unreal, which is a drama about a producer on a Bachelor-style reality show. I thought it did a great job illustrating how fake these shows are and the terrible things producers will do to create drama and turn real complex people into crude stereotypes. I also watched To the Bone, which is a Netflix movie starring Lily Collins and Keanu Reeves about 20 years ago. Oh, uh, and Keanu Reeves about a 20-year-old girl struggling with anorexia. I thought it was very moving, the sometimes harrowing look at anorexia and eating disorders. How did I miss a Netflix movie starring Keanu Reeves? Did, have you seen that one? I I haven't seen it, but I've seen it around. Hmm. I have not. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Maybe I need to go back and apologize to Netflix for not shoving their <laughs> stuff. Like, how, yeah. How how did you miss the Keanu connection there? You, right. you, you know so much about me, Netflix, because I watch for hours <laughs> a day. She worked on several other shows I haven't checked out, but I think Noxon is very talented. I'm excited to see what she does with the show. Yeah, so far, so good. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like it's got pretty decent bones with the 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 book by uh, Gillian or Gillian uh, Flynn, and I love the direction. I love the writing. I'm pretty excited. So yeah. uh, anything else we want to talk about? I don't think so. All television. Uh, again, if you want to send us feedback, tv at baldmove.com or get on our forums, forums.baldmove.com. And we will be back next week for the next episode of Sharper Object. Sorry. <laughs> next week of Sharp Objects. Uh, we'll buy something from Sharper Images. Uh, I need some and sort watch of. Stranger Things, which I always get confused stra- with the name. Strangest Things. Yep. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. Later. <laughs>